So there's faith and there are facts, but how do they relate to each other? Or don't they? How a biblical worldview makes the best sense of the evidence this week on Creation Magazine Live. It's reasonable and logical to be a Christian, and we'll discuss yet another reason why on today's podcast. Welcome to Creation Magazine Live. My name's Richard Fangrad. And I'm Matt Bondi. Last week we did a show that we titled, Does God Exist? We did. Yeah, and we talked about various evidences that support the existence of the Creator, Redeemer, God of the Bible. Yes. Now this week, well this is sort of a part two to last week's show, uh, we're going to take a step back and look at a more fundamental issue about how evidences, for or against a particular view, are produced to begin with. Right, yeah. Basically we're going to look at the relationship between faith and facts, presuppositions and evidence and, and clarifying, hopefully clarifying, some of those terms and explaining how it is that people develop the beliefs that they hold, whether that's a belief in the biblical truths like God creating or a belief in non-biblical ideas like evolution over millions of years. Mm -hmm. And at the end, we'll wrap it all up with how an understanding of these things will enable you to share Christ more effectively. Yes. Uh, we're going to be following mostly an article by Don Batten from our Australian office titled, Faith and Facts, How a Biblical Worldview Makes the Best Sense of the Evidence. That's right. Yeah, have you ever had anyone say to you, prove to me that God created everything, or prove to me that God exists? Uh, again, evidence for God's existence was the subject of our show last week. Have you, have you ever tried to do that, but then encountered like a brick wall of resistance where the challenger dismisses anything that you have to offer? Your, your friend might even say, well, you just have faith. Uh, you don't have any evidence. I base my beliefs on evidence. You yeah. hear, hear those kinds of things. Yeah, so what's, what's going on here? Yeah. Well, your friend is beginning with a different worldview, an overarching view of everything through which he or she interprets the evidence. Uh, the common non-Christian worldview in the West nowadays is secularism yes. or atheism based on naturalism. Uh, and of course, this has no place for a divine creator, uh, definitely not the one revealed in the Bible no. or, or the history of what God has done uh, as recorded in the Bible. So as a result, your arguments, they just seem to fall on deaf ears. Yeah, and that can be really frustrating, right? Uh, you might have what you feel is great evidence for God in creation, like we talked about last week, uh, some great evidences there. But it, it, again, it's like you're talking to a brick wall. So what's happening? Why can you see the evidences for God, but others can't? Yeah, well, we find that answer, uh, that question, in Romans 1. See, the Bible says that people have no excuse for adopting a view that excludes God. That's right. You know, in verse 18, it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Okay, all right, so they're suppressing mm -hmm. truth. Did yeah. you get that? They suppress the truth about God's existence. And verse 19 and following reveals exactly what they are suppressing. It says this, For what can be known about God is plain to them, plain to them, very interesting, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been, again here it says, been clearly Fairly perceived, simple ever since the creation of the world in the things that have that have been made, so they are without excuse. Yeah, so this verse is saying that uh, the evidence for God is so clear, it's all around us. Yeah. Everywhere we look at creation, uh, with powerful telescopes deep into space, or powerful microscopes deep into the tiniest parts of living things, it's so plain to them that when they stand before God, they won't be able to say, 
uh, I didn't see any evidence for you. You know, that's what this verse is saying. Right, yeah. Now, meanwhile, in the secular world, intelligent people are feverishly trying to work out clever-sounding ways to try to explain how the universe made itself, how life made itself, and the diversity of life forms on Earth made themselves. Uh, it's a grand scheme of cosmic evolution. That's That's what it's all about it seems, and there's a huge amount of energy expended trying to make that seem like they really know how these things happened. Yeah, that's the true. Uh, and, you know, a lot of that may be even uh, in an effort to convince themselves. Uh, yeah, yeah. But it's not, it's not a massive conspiracy uh, to deliberately censor the evidence right. that God created. Yeah. They just honestly think it's wrong. Yeah, that's right. Uh, they, they claim over and over that this is the scientific view. You've all heard that, of course, right? But, but everything making itself from nothing contradicts something that's affirmed by every scientific experiment ever done. Yeah. And that is, at its very core, science operates on the law of cause and effect. That things don't happen without something sufficient to cause them to happen. But that the minor point is <laughs> minor, <kind of> overlooked. <laughs> yeah, we're talking about presuppositions here. Fundamental assumptions or axioms that people bring to the evidence and which they use to interpret it accordingly. Right. Uh, now, it's very important to remember, uh, especially as you're sharing Christ with someone and pointing out evidences for God, uh, that every person brings a worldview to the table when considering the origin of pretty much everything. That's right, yeah. Yeah, we all have the same facts in the present that we interpret according to an assumed history of the origin of everything, mm. either uh, that things self-created somehow or that God created them. That's right. So it's not uh, science versus religion or, or facts versus faith, but one faith versus another faith. You know, it's very important and can be quite helpful when witnessing uh, to show someone that their view... Uh, whatever it is, it's not just the facts. Right. Uh, but they've brought certain assumptions to the table for which they have no evidence. Yes. And that their presuppositions determine how they interpret the facts, which they then claim uh, are evidences for their worldview. That's right. Yeah. Biblical creationists interpret the facts. Uh, in, in other words, all the data in terms of the axioms revealed by Scripture. Mm -hmm. Creation about 6,000 years ago, uh, the fall bringing in sin and death and a global flood from different axioms are deduced different world histories to explain how the facts came to be. Yeah, that's right. So all the data from geology, biology, the fossil record, astronomy, and everywhere else, uh, it'll be interpreted according to that history. Right. So the facts will be interpreted and explained within the history that we believe is the true history of the universe. Right, and evolutionists do exactly the same thing. Yeah. They'll interpret all the facts within the history they believe to be true. That's right. uh, for example, over the past decade and a half or so, more than 40 instances of soft tissue in dinosaurs yeah. has been found. Some incredible discoveries, including blood vessels, blood cells, uh, different kinds of dinosaur proteins have been mm. analyzed, and even dinosaur DNA has been discovered. <laughs> That's right. It's amazing. Mary Schweitzer and her yes. crew yeah. there, yeah. But since the uh, history of dinosaurs that evolutionists believe includes them dying out about 65 million years ago, uh, these facts must be understood and interpreted according uh, to that version of history. And, right. you know, that's going to be a challenge. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Uh, and, and that's just one example of some facts that are extremely difficult to fit into that, that millions of years history. And there's a boatload of others. Right. You know, in reality, evolution is an historical idea deduced from the assumption of materialism or naturalism. Uh, you know, that's the idea that, 
matter is all there is. That's right, yeah. In creationist circles, this understanding about the importance of presuppositions in the origins debate has been loosely termed presuppositionalism, and that's to distinguish it from evidentialism, which presumes that the evidence speaks for itself. And that's been very significant in advancing the creationist cause. Yes, it has, but it can be taken too far. It can, yeah. Yeah, some uh, speak almost as if uh, evidence doesn't matter at all, that it's just a matter of interpretation. Same data, just different interpretations. Uh, This view can quickly morph into a sort of postmodernism where, you know, it's all in your head, and all we can hope to do is work on changing the person's worldview so that he or she can begin to see the same evidence in a different light that is compatible with the with the uh, Christian worldview. That's right, yeah. And uh, people who prefer this view often recommend that approach. Rather than dealing with the creation-evolution issues, it involves kind of pulling the philosophical rug from under an unbeliever. Yeah, in fact, some even go so far as to attack human logic, uh, saying that man's truth... Uh, logic and meaning differ from God's, right. and they reason that the original sin causes complete depraved thinking. Uh, that unregenerate man or, or you know non Christians uh, can't think any logical truth. Yes, right. But if that's true, then it would wipe out the clear teaching of Romans one eighteen yeah, exactly. that, that we just read right. and following. If people suppress the truth in unrighteousness, verse eighteen, they must at some level know what truth is in order to suppress it. Yeah, right? That's right. And furthermore, Scripture says that they're without excuse. Mm-hmm. They're in verse 20 uh, for denying that God exists. But if they can't see it because they just can't think clearly enough, then they would have an excuse. Yeah, yeah. And also in Second uh, Peter 3, uh, we read that in the last day, scoffers will come uh, denying that God created everything and that he destroyed the world in, in the flood in of Noah. flood, yeah. yeah. And it says that they deliberately forget. So here also, they're not ignorant of the truth, they suppress it. Yes. Uh, it's willful ignorance, not just ignorance. Right. God doesn't condemn people for what they don't know or don't perceive, but for willfully going against what they do know, which is, you know, that he exists. And, yeah. And that's sin. That's right, yeah. So the Bible teaches us that some fundamental truths about God and what he has done, his works, are known by the unbeliever, mm-hmm. which he or she suppresses. Okay, let's back up just a little bit. Uh, we mentioned logic and human reasoning a few minutes ago, and this notion that God's logic could be different than human logic. Right, okay. So for all people to be able to see the things that Romans one twenty says they can see, it implies that there must be certain principles of logic and reasoning that are universal, that, right. Right, that God has built into us. Mm-hmm. Uh, reflecting on the writings of the great 18th century Christian apologist Jonathan Edwards, Martin Murphy wrote, The law of non-contradiction, the law of causality, and the basic reliability of sense perception are three components necessary to communicate truth. Yeah, these laws of logic are embedded in the created order, Uh, so they're revealed in the creation. Without all three of these, it wouldn't be possible to even cross the street safely. (laughs) Uh, Now, Christians and non-Christians alike can cross the street safely. Oh, good. uh, Because God has endowed all people with these principles of reasoning. By the same principles, all people can also understand propositional truths. Just thinking of chickens crossing the road. road, (laughs) Christians crossing chickens. (laughs) This logic is built in. It's a part of the way in which the creation reveals the attributes of God, as Romans 1.19 says. We might see this as part of what, what theologians have called common grace. 
by which God blesses all people, both believers and non-believers. We have to get our understanding of how to understand the Bible from the Bible. Hmm. That is a biblical hermeneutic. Okay. But how do you get anything from the Bible without a pre-existing hermeneutic? Right. That hermeneutic has to be rooted in the three universal principles listed by Murphy, who we just quoted there. That's right, yeah. Theologian Herman Hoxema put it clearly. He said, there's no separate God's meaning for words that's different from man's meaning, and neither is there a divine logic that's separate from human logic. He wrote, either the logic of revelation is our logic, or there is no revelation. That's right. <laughs> Otherwise, uh, Scripture couldn't communicate God's truth to man. As it says yes. in Second uh, Timothy three fifteen to 17, it says, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Right, okay, so Scripture breathed out by God is understandable by man to the point where when God's truths are applied to our lives, we're equipped to do good works. We're able to meet the demands of godly ministry and righteous living. That's right. Okay, now, just to add a little uh, complexity to this subject today. No. (laughs) It's it's true that apart from God's works, uh, we couldn't think rational thoughts, but People can think rational thoughts precisely because God has endowed his creation with rationality. Right. Uh, It reflects his very nature. Uh, With this innate, uh, this built-in logic or rationality, it wouldn't be possible to live. Uh, And because of this, no one has any excuse. Right, yeah. We even see this logic in babies who react to impossible situations with surprise. Uh, For example, researchers showed pre-speech infants' balls bouncing around in a container with a hole where the ball could exit. When a ball appeared from the hole without having traveled on a trajectory toward the hole, the, the, the babies were surprised. Yeah. Uh, so they were thinking logically despite not even having any words to formulate their, their ideas. Yeah, that's right. You know, another example of this is a, a preschool Japanese children that have been shown to believe in an unseen intelligent creator of everything. Now, this is in a culture where the, you know, it's a Buddhist Shinto culture, and the religions there of the adults, they don't have such a concept of a creator god. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So obviously the logic is built in, and the conclusions from that logic, for example, that God exists, have to be suppressed. Right, yeah. Okay, now let's move on to something practical. Okay. You know, all, all of this so far has been about what goes on in our heads and yeah. defining various terms and certain things and understanding these things. How do we help someone realize that his or her worldview or their religion yeah. don't measure up? Just asserting that, that ours is better isn't going to get us very far. No, no, that's right. It's also not going to help by asserting, as some do, that they have to accept our worldview, that the Bible is God's revelation to man, before they can think anything rational. Right. Especially since, as we've shown earlier, they clearly can think rationally. Yes. Even in infancy. (laughs) No. You see, we need to demonstrate that the other person's worldview doesn't actually do a good job of accounting for the evidence. Right. You know, the evidence that we both have before us. In other words, the evidence matters. Evidence matters. matters. Yes, it does. A sound worldview, like the one that's derived from the Bible, actually accounts for what we see around us. There is a, a coherency of truth. Whereas we can show that in an atheistic view, for example, it's incoherent. Yes, uh, the well-known non-Christian philosopher Thomas Nagel has acknowledged that the modern evolutionary view of origins is incoherent. Uh, As commentator Andrew Ferguson noted, 
He said his, uh, that's Nagel's, uh, working assumption is in today's intellectual climate radical. If the materialist, neo-Darwinian orthodoxy contradicts common sense, then this is a mark against the orthodoxy, not against common sense. Right. When a chain of reasoning leads us to deny the obvious, we should double-check the chain of reasoning before we give up on the obvious. <laughs> wow, did you get that? It might, might take a bit for that to sink in. Let's, yeah. let's put it up again. So Mr. Ferguson is saying that Nagel's working assumption is radical in today's intellectual climate. But when we read what the assumption is, it's not radical. No, it's not very radical, is it? It's completely logical. Now, beginning after the colon there, if the materialist, he writes, the neo-Darwinian orthodoxy, in other words, evolution, if evolution contradicts common sense then you ought to stick with common sense. Right. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, and then he says, when a chain of reasoning leads us to deny the obvious, we ought to question the chain of reasoning. <laughs> well, yup, no kidding. Like, but that kind of thinking is apparently radical. Yeah, that's radical. It's obvious. <laughs> yeah, it's sad. Uh, but again, this reflects Romans 1, where it, it says, when people suppress the truth about his existence, God gives them over to futile thinking. Yeah. Uh, verse 21 and 22 says, For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, because they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. They became fools. That is incredible. And you see that happening in large parts of society today in the so-called academic world. Yeah, that's right. You you see it in the modern Western secular mindset of cosmic evolution, uh, that everything made itself. Right. You know, which is an astounding idea that contradicts the most fundamental principles of science and rationality. Yeah. Materialism and atheism fails at multiple levels. Many atheists claim that science is the only way of knowing. But but since there's no way for science to prove this, mm-hmm. the claim itself is incapable of being known to be true. So so this position, the scientism is what it really is, it refutes itself. Yeah, that's right. Uh, in other words, science cannot prove that science is invalid or is right. valid either way. Uh, the presuppositions needed for doing science don't come from science. They come from outside of science. Uh, they actually come from a biblical Christian worldview. Yeah, yeah they do. <laughs> uh, we did a show on that last year uh, titled The Biblical Basis for Modern Science. And a- a- as much as the skeptics don't like it, even secular historians of science, who we referenced, yeah. can see that science flourished in a biblical worldview. Now, we want to define these things carefully, uh, especially the relationship between them, which can get quite complex. Right, right. And some say there is no relationship, yeah. uh, that, that there's the world of facts and science, and then there's the world of faith and warm, fuzzy feelings, right. and, the, and the two don't connect at all. Hey, everyone ultimately lives by faith. <laughs> That's e- true. Even atheists. Yep. You know, we did a show on that a couple of years ago. Uh, it was titled, Everyone Lives by Faith, and we spent half an hour unpacking the different kinds of faith that people hold. That's right. Yeah, the atheists, the materialists, that is, people who believe that there's no supernatural anything, mm-hmm. uh, believe that our existence is a cosmic accident. Our origin ultimately depended on random events. Uh, for example, in bio- biological evolution, mutations are random events. That's right. Uh, but as the Christian apologist C.S. Lewis pointed out, Random origins wouldn't give any basis for believing in reliable, in other words, uh, non-random thoughts about those origins. Right. Uh, it's a position that is, again, self-refuting. Yeah. A very simple and productive tool to use to determine which worldview, which belief system is right, is every time there's some bit of data, some fact 
ask the question, which history fits best? Which mm -hmm. history provides the best framework for understanding that fact? That's right. And there are many facts that just don't make much sense in an atheistic worldview. Uh, the existence of altruism, a uh, self-concern for the well-being of others, that doesn't fit well into a no-God belief system. Yeah, yeah. Um, other things include the existence of love and intelligence, for example, um, and also the incredible design in living things and the language code of DNA. I mean, it's impossible to account for that without uh, intelligent design. That's right. Yeah, almost every biological feature, particularly at the molecular level, shows irreducible complexity, where multiple complex components have to be present for it all to work. Design is the, is the elephant in the room for the modern evolutionary biologist. Right. And every day the elephant gets bigger and harder to ignore. Uh, the more science discovers about the world around us, the more it supports biblical history. Yeah, that's right. Uh, absolutely. You know, we can also look at some of the overwhelming evidence for the worldwide flood of Noah and yes. see more and more problems with the billions of years belief system. Right. Uh, you know, like finding carbon-14 in coal of all supposed ages. I mean, it just shouldn't it be shouldn't there. shouldn't be there. You know, and then there's the fragile organic compounds and uh, fossils supposedly formed millions of years ago that we mentioned earlier. That's right. It sort of highlighted the difference a little bit between presuppositionalism and evidentialism. Yeah. Our uh, philosophical approach as a scientific Christian ministry takes seriously and engages the evidence of the right. real world yep. while recognizing the importance of presuppositions and a person's worldview in interpreting it. Yes. Uh, you know, our position is perhaps best labeled as classical presuppositionalism. Right, and this recognizes that although our understanding is seriously affected by our presuppositions, there is an objective reality independent of what anyone might think. Someone might not believe in the law of gravity, but they're still going to go splat if they jump <laughs> off a cliff. That's right. right? <laughs> yeah, and it also recognizes the importance of showing that one worldview, biblical creation, and the axioms that it's based on enable a more coherent and rational explanation of reality than another, like naturalism. Right, right. And this approach has many benefits. One of the big ones is that it makes for an effective witness. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. So... We dismantle and destroy those falsehoods by showing that non-biblical worldviews don't work. Rather, facts do conform to a right. biblical worldview. Right. Uh, we also strive to fulfill the command in 1 Peter 3.15 right. to give a defense to anyone who asks for a reason for the hope that is in you. Um, as a ministry, our goal is to equip you with the tools that you need to accomplish that. That's right. Yeah, we connect with unbelievers where they're at and, and, and don't insult them by trying to prove or imply that they can't think any logical thoughts whatsoever. Uh, and, and we don't use uh, kind of esoteric philosophical arguments that most people won't relate to and which, which can come across as avoiding the evidence. Mm -hmm. Yeah, now, in all this, we recognize the vital role of the Holy Spirit of course, in yeah. enabling a person to change his or her attitude toward God. Uh, and that involves repentance and faith, of course. That's right, yeah. Apologetics can't save anyone. That's right. right? It's yeah. the powerful work of God, the Holy Spirit, that can and does change minds, setting them on Christ. God uses apologetics to clear away the falsehoods as he draws the sinner. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. In the parable of the soils, the seed, uh, or the gospel, it only takes root and produces fruit in the soil that is cultivated right, uh, and free of rocks and weeds. So apologetics, that means giving a defense for the faith. Um, it, it clears away those things that make the seed unfruitful. 
Yeah, right. And that's, of course, the ultimate goal of CMI, of this ministry. We produce tools like this TV show, uh, books, videos, a, a massive online database of faith-building articles at, at creation.com there. And you can use those to equip yourself and then confidently witness to others. That's right. So we'd love to hear from you if the show has helped you uh, and you want to understand more about science or true history, then uh, please write back to us at our feedback section on creation.com. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see you next week. And remember, Christianity is an evidence-based faith. And science supports scripture. Both the Creation Magazine Live TV show and this podcast are produced by Creation Ministries International, a global think tank organization dedicated to disseminating the huge amount of scientific evidence for the accuracy of the biblical account of the origin of our universe. If you'd like to donate to keep this information coming, go to creation.com slash donate. And thanks for listening.